We're going to continue to stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's Word for our text tonight. And as we are continuing our series on the Psalms of Ascents, we are in Psalm 124. A song of ascents of David. If it had not been the Lord who is on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. You be seated. Let's pray. Lord, we've gathered together to hear your word, and let it be your word that is considered and spoken and known tonight, so that we may be strengthened in our faith that we have an active God who has delivered us, an active God who watches over us. So that no matter what we face as your people, we remember that you are our help and your name is with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, To apologize yet again, the last time that I was preaching on Sunday night, my voice, I was getting over a sickness and I am dealing with the same thing this time. I spoke three times for our winter bash for the middle school yesterday, so that didn't help. But then I also have whatever's going on with my, uh, my health going on right now, too. But honestly, it makes me feel like I can preach longer, because the longer my voice holds out, the more miracle of God is displayed before you. But uh, we shall have a good time tonight. In Psalm 124. So, sometimes we try to attack problems not not head on. By by getting at uh, a situation or a scenario by a different direction. And sometimes we use questions like, what if? So we ask ourselves, what if this happened, or what if this happened, to try to address a current situation? One of the ones in school that you may remember, or that you've even considered recently, is what would you do if you had a million dollars? Because whatever you would choose to do if you had a million dollars, that is Generally, maybe where your passion is, and so you can pursue that as a career, and it would be fulfilling. 
So what if you had a million dollars? There's also a sports scenario, and I know that there's a, a sports game going on, and I have my phone set, so if anybody hits a home run or scores a three-point shot, uh, we should know about it. So, uh, but it's football. It's football. So, uh, but a sports scenario, what if this happened in this sports game? So uh, I don't know if many of you are hockey fans here tonight. Uh, but generally hockey fans are always excited to talk about hockey because nobody talks about hockey. But the St. Louis Blues were in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year, and their goalie, who was playing out of his mind, got ran into, and he got hurt. And they were winning. They were going to win this series to get to the Stanley Cup finals. And so I have done the scenario of what if that goalie did not get hurt. I bet they would have won. That would have been awesome because I'm a St. Louis Blues fan. But we, we know this, this rhythm of what if. And it's a, it's a counseling question. And the, the point of this psalm is, is to, to give us a what if scenario to help us reflect on God's work and relive it so we can press further into our reliance upon Him and find our resolve to live for Him. So reflect and relive will be the first point, and that's basically where we'll be at for most of the the psalm, and, and to rely and resolve. So right now, you could be fearful about the state of the world that your children will have to navigate as they grow older. This psalm can bring you. You could be complacent or prideful, confident in your own status and strength, thinking that you can conquer whatever you face by yourself. But this psalm will bring you back to the facts of your dependency and weakness. Your heart might feel dull and uninspired to passionately pursue God. But this psalm will stoke the fire. Wherever you are, this is a a multi-directional psalm that will snatch you from where you are and snap you back where you should be. Which is putting your trust and dependence in God. This, this work of reflection is meant to shock our systems so that all of our hearts are united and beating together as God's people to know that we have God Lord as our help. This is Psalm 124. And I've, I've entitled this, The What If That Awakens Our Heart. And we will reflect and relive, I and resolve. So this is, this is part of a series, as I mentioned earlier. So setting the psalm in the journey to God of the Psalms of Ascents. And this psalm deals with the fact that God's people are targeted. And we've seen this in other psalms. Psalm 123 spoke of the exasperation that God's people feel from the scorn and contempt. Psalm 120 spoke of the distress of living among lying lips, 
deceitful tongues, and people ready to make war. Psalm 129 will revoice the great affliction of God's people from others. So Psalm 124 shows that there's a raging, murderous anger against God's people. And this anger is shown throughout all of the Scriptures, even beyond the Psalms of Ascent. It begins with Cain and Abel. And the Apostle John brings insight into the motivation that Cain had to kill Abel because it was his own deeds that were evil and his brothers were righteous. And so Cain had anger in his heart that, that brought murder into the world. If Cain couldn't do things his way, he would get rid of the one who was doing it God's way. It's also seen in the events concerning Egypt and Israel. When, when God brings them out of Egypt, the, the fight between Pharaoh and God's people where God delivers them. But then we also find it in just all the warring of Israel with the surrounding nations. It's all throughout history. But the anger isn't relegated to national Israel's enemies, but in the course of biblical history, this raging anger is also found inside people you wouldn't expect. David, who this psalm is potentially and possibly attributed to because it's of David, went through the anger received from Saul, who he esteemed as God's anointed. And yet David had to run from the rage of Saul. David had to run from his own son Absalom. And I don't think it'd be surprising if that occasion in 2 Samuel 17 was the reason that David is pinning the psalm. But God's people have opposition. God's people are targeted. And that's, that's part of what it looks like to follow Christ. Jesus himself says as much when he says in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it has hated you. The worst way to hurt a father is to attack his children. The worst way to hurt a husband is to attack his wife. We're the easy target. We're the vulnerable ones, and that's not an easy situation to be in. But that's the the backdrop of this psalm. God's people are targeted from the anger of others. And so this, this if scenario, or what if, is, it's fictional. So we're not, we're not talking about things that happened. We're talking about fictional things that would have happened. But in our imagination, in our imaginative scenario of this psalm, the conclusions are truthful. It's not an if this happened, then this might have happened. It's an if this happened, then this would have happened. 
The conclusions drawn from this hypothetical situation are true conclusions. And this what-if question is like a jump off a cliff. It's like a, a leap into the abyss. And we reach the floor fast because it is a scary and dark consideration. So let's read again verses 1 through 5. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Now it's hard for most of us to feel the danger that's explicit in this section. Because we live in a lot of comfort. And if we're honest, I think the greatest danger that we've felt in this last week is a balloon from a foreign country and the price of eggs. We don't live in a war-torn country. We are not like the, the inhabitants of Ukraine thinking that they will be invaded tomorrow. So we have, we have a very, very low understanding of how dangerous this scenario is. And so let's reframe this question. If, 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 this, if this is reframed, if we had never encountered Christ, or He never came for us, then what would happen? Would your marriage have been restored? Would you be lost going from addiction to addiction, trying to find some way to cope in this world? Would you somehow be okay with the fact that you would have no basis for truth or the decisions in your life. Now those are, those are even small scenarios, but they're, they're stair steps down into the abyss. So let's, let's, just, let's just drop the floor out from underneath us and look at the result of if we had never encountered Christ or if He never came for us. If we had never encountered Him, then we would be separated from God forever. That's the bottom. Separation from God. That's the danger level here. God's people, at this time in redemptive history, were at risk of being cut off from the promises of God. There is real danger here because... If, if all God's people were destroyed, the promises of Abraham would not have been possible because the people would have been gone. There would be no inheritance because there would be no people. There would be no promise because the people would have been gone. And all it would take to destroy God's people would be the wrath of other people. James lets us know that our life is a vapor 
or a mist. And we are, we are so weak that all it would be is the collective wrath of other mists to snuff us out of existence. We would be overwhelmed and overcome by the wrath of people. And we would have perished like we were in an M. Night Shyamalan movie. So I don't know if you know who M. Night Shyamalan is. Sometimes uh, it's, he's not as big, I don't think, as he was uh, maybe a decade or so ago. But his movies have this environmental setting bent to them that are unique. But if you, would, if you would close your eyes, you don't have to do this, but I want us to imagine this scenario as it is. If you would wake up in the deepest part of a valley, chained to a rock, and you'd, you'd look around, you'd be surprised at first. Maybe you'd test the chain to see if you could break it on your own strength and find that you couldn't. But maybe then it would start to rain. And it would start to, to puddle up around you. And you would hear this, this creaking noise and you would look around from the valley as it echoes around and you saw this dam beginning to burst. And so as the, the rain is coming down and coming up, and as the dam is bursting and the water is raging after you in desperation, you would pull on that chain. And you would yank on that chain as the water reached up to your waist. You would yank on that chain as it got up to your neck. And you would yank on that chain as the water covered your head. And your eyes would close in death because of the raging waters. That's how you would have perished. But you can open up your eyes because that's not what happened. It was only an if. The leap into the abyss was with a bungee cord attached to it. But, but as we fly back out of this scenario, out of the abyss to the truth of God's saving work, let's not waste the distance that we have traveled. You need to look at the floor while it drops deeper and you rise higher because that's where you would have been without any escape. You need to feel the air whooshing past your ears and imagine it as a roaring groan of thanksgiving, of a grateful heart that builds and rushes and builds and finally erupts into a shout of thanksgiving from your lips. Blessed be the Lord! And then continue shouting until your voice grows hoarse like mine. Because of the work of God, I am not separated from Him forever because He has loved me 
He has saved me. I'm not crushed by the wrath of others because He has broken the snare and I am free. Relive that joy of salvation. Recognize your freedom in Christ. God has delivered His people from the consuming and destructive wrath of others. But we're still left with the question, how? And it's because the snare was broken. Because Christ held on to the snare as He endured the wrath of His death. We can't turn to it now, but if we would look through Matthew 26-27, through we would see the torrents surrounding Jesus. The council who falsely tried him spat in his face, bound him, and led him away. People, when they were given the choice between Barabbas or him, embraced Barabbas and raged with cries of crucify him. The Romans mocked, beat, stripped, and crucified him. The passerbys derided him and wagged their heads as he suffered on the The robbers, at least initially, reviled him in the same way. But the worst, the worst he took was the wrath so that we would never know it. That's how this snare is broken. And that's the true joy and reality of our escape by God's deliverance. This psalm is given to us so that we can reflect on the saving work of God and relive it to press us in, to rely and resolve. And this is where I'll land and it's not going to be a long point because it's just very definitive. It's just this last line. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. We read earlier Romans 8 about the empowering nature of this truth. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Whatever anger, whatever wrath, whatever opposition, it doesn't matter. We can place ourselves in danger to tell others about Christ because we have no fear of those that can kill the body. Because our help is with God who has drawn near to us, who has placed His name upon us as His people. Rely upon Him and be resolved in Him. Or trust Him.
the very first time to be saved from your sin. Let's pray. The work of your salvation, God, is great. And we are forgetful. Somebody mentioned that we are leaky vessels. We need to be filled and refilled, encouraged and re-encouraged. Help us to reflect and rejoice and rely upon you. Let us place our lives free to send us or mold us in whatever fashion we will. In your name we pray. Amen.